I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. This is Scott Simpson. I'm here with Greg Scordis. We're filling in. We're we're the KSL at night guys that they let upstairs every now and again. Yeah, they to, they kind of let us downstairs today and uh, sort of see how we're going to do. Here we are um, yeah. at the big kids' table, um, <laughs> filling in for Boyd. And you know, this show's always got big shoes to fill. By the way, big shoes. Yeah, we, I, I we, love Boyd. Yeah, we're never going to get there. But the issues that are always on this show are really fascinating. And and this is. Um, there are a couple of truths as it relates to tax, tax policy. Um, it, it, one is it's complicated. Two, it's politically amplified. And and three, I, I, it takes forever to move. You know, the 2017 comprehensive tax reform legislation was like a 40-year journey. And that was just for us, you know, on our own domestic federal tax policy perspective, right? Yeah, and so now we're having a global debate about taxes, which yeah. I don't even understand. Yeah, this is super ambitious, this idea. And I think it's important because we do live in this global economy and we and there needs to be some way to address equity across all, you know, all of the countries and the treatment of corporate taxes that do business across all of these boundaries. But the, this idea is that there's this cl- global corporate tax rate. And last year, 130 cr- countries agreed to a 15% minimum tax while others have said that that's going to be harmful to the U.S. And so we're, you know, it's an important thing to dig into. And we've got with us a friend of the show, Daniel Bunn from the Tax Foundation. Daniel, thank you for joining us on Inside Sources. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back. Daniel, uh, you know, I've uh, I've known you for a little while, and it's uh, this is an, an interesting topic. Can, can you tell us, does the Tax Foundation have a supportive position for this global tax rate? So I think, you know, when it comes to this global tax rate, I think there are a lot of problems with it. So it's really hard for me to come out and say the tax foundation supports it, um, uh, especially looking from the U.S. perspective. You know, we've, we've had a domestic law that puts a minimum tax on the foreign earnings of U.S. multinationals since 2017. Uh, and that has, you know, in some ways worked well, um, but in other ways made things really complicated. Uh, and I look at this global deal, and I think it's learning the wrong lessons uh, from what we did, uh, and just implementing that in the U.S. would probably double down on some of the complexities and problems of what we did in 2017. Um, so, you know, it's it's really tough for me to come out and just say, you know, this is this is fantastic, let's go for it. Um, but there are some, you know, benefits to essentially taking a minimum tax approach on a country by country basis. But you've got to really work through the details to make sure you're not harming uh, investment incentives. But Daniel, it, it seems that recognizing that 130 jurisdictions agreed last year to uh, to get together and uh, institute a global minimum 15 percent tax 
is a recognition that we do need to have some sort of international discussion about this instead of uh, allowing uh, countries to do this on a country-by-country basis. Don't you agree? Yeah, so there's there's certainly a benefit at some level to harmonizing things. What's problematic in this approach uh, is that it's harmonizing things in a way that is, in my view, likely to hurt some of the globalization progress that we've been able to see in recent decades and potentially turn back the clock a little bit on cross-border investment. What I see, you know, from the agreement last year um, and things that have progressed since then is that what was agreed to was really a template. And then as the details have begun to fill in with some of the model rules and some of the questions about how this interacts with different tax systems, uh, is that the complexity is really exploding. Um, so the problem generally is that you have a lot of national tax codes um, that don't necessarily mesh well with these new rules. Uh, so you're just going to slap the new rules on top of things and just add to uh, the complexity. So I certainly think you know there's an opportunity here to create some space for, uh, I guess, global agreement to avoid a lot of the disputes and even trade disputes over tax that we've seen in recent years. Um, But I think there's more work that needs to be done to get the right policies that get us to that kind of stable state. So, Daniel, I I remember prior to 2017, it seemed like the U.S. corporate tax rate was out of whack, right? We were 35, 37 percent tax rate. And clearly, we were at a disadvantage. And one of the arguments at the time was we needed to repatriate those U.S. corporate dollars that were sitting overseas and have them back here at work in our economy. Um, Did that happen? Have we seen a repatriation based on the the lowering that occurred in 2017? Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen repatriation in, I'd say, say three different ways. Um, So the first way, which is the kind of commonly understood way, is the U.S. tax system incentivized companies that when they earned profits overseas, that they would just keep the cash offshore. Um, So we saw a real quick turnaround of companies bringing back um, their foreign earnings. In fact, you know, things spiked, you know, really ridiculously right around, um, you know, 2018, um, where we saw, you know, close to um, close to a billion dollars, I mean, sorry, close to a trillion dollars come back uh, in the form of like switching from offshore cash to you know bringing those um, those dollars back. Um, then the second way we've seen kind of this repatriation at work is bringing back not just the cash assets, but some of the value value creating assets like the IP, the intellectual property, property, the patents, the software that prior to tax reform, a lot of companies saw it in their interest to just find the lowest tax jurisdiction wherever in the world, and usually that's well beyond the reach of the IRS. Um, And some of that has come back uh, to our shores, and we're exporting a lot of our IP services where previously we were importing those. Um, And that's a a benefit. And then the third way is where the U.S. tax system stands relative to foreign multinationals. If you're based in, you know, Spain or Germany or the U.K., you know, the tax reform changed the incentives for those uh, companies to want to invest even more in the U.S. economy. Um, and so we've seen all three of those play out. Now, you can debate about whether these are quite the magnitude that was sold by some politicians 
um, around the 2017 reform or not, but the trajectory has shifted in a favorable way. We're joined this afternoon by Daniel Bunn, Executive Vice President of the Tax Foundation. Daniel, talk to us about the 15% minimum. How, How would that number have been arrived at, and does that number make sense to you? So it was a political discussion, really. Um, What we've seen with corporate tax rates around the world um, over the last several decades is a settling, um, essentially, of the average corporate tax rate in the low 20s. Um, You know, U.S. rate at 21, um, the federal rate being a little bit below the average. But if you combine that with states, you're above the average, um, above 25. Now, the minimum is not a statutory minimum rate. So the difference between the statutory rate and the effective rate, which the 15 implies, is the difference between, you know, what's in the rules for the rate versus what's in the rules for all the deductions and exemptions and carve-outs and things like that. So the 15% is an effective rate. So a lot of U.S. companies, a lot of companies around the world, if they're operating in a jurisdiction with a 20% statutory rate, it's very likely that they're benefiting from some deductions or exemptions or credits um, that allow them to face, you know, an, a lower effective rate. So, you know, maybe you can get a 14% effective rate because of deductions and exemptions. So this 15% rate is really a recognition um, that you need to be looking at both the statutory rates and the base and how they combine. Now, uh, Dan- Daniel, I'm sorry, I, we're up against a hard break. Uh, clearly, this is a very this is complex. It's complicated. Thank you for joining us on Inside Sources and helping us dive into this. Uh, what I think is going to be a pretty heavy lift. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Daniel. Has your flight been delayed dramatically uh, or canceled recently? Or has the price gone up by <laughs> ridiculous? 50%. I just booked a flight and I, I, I had to, it came with a loan application. Right. Secretary Pete Buttigieg is meeting with the airline carriers today to discuss what's going on. And Justin Finch from ABC News will join us after the break. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.